Welcome to Connect Church. We're a new church in the East Windsor Heightstown area, and we're a church that is looking to connect to Jesus and community. We're so glad you've joined us. Hello, everyone. My name is Frank. Welcome to Connect Church. I'm the pastor here. We're so glad that you are watching with us today. We're continuing our walk through the book of Ruth. If you missed the first two weeks, we just want to encourage you, you can head to our YouTube channel or our podcast, which is available on most podcast platforms. And if you search Connect Church NJ, you'll find us and you'll be able to catch up with us. When I was little, I really liked going to arcades. Now, not just any arcade, but for me, I really like going to Chuck E. Cheese, not for the pizza. <laughs> if you've had the pizza, you probably know what I'm talking about. But for me, I went to win. My goal was to get as many tickets as I possibly could to get the best prize available that day. Most kids go and they would play games that they enjoyed and that they, they thought were fun. I would go and play the games that pumped out the most tickets. So again, I wanted to be able to get as many tickets as possible to get a great prize. Now, those tickets didn't really mean anything. They were just a ball of, of paper until I put them in the machine that counted them. And, and towards the end, they had this really fun machine where it was like you put it in and it made this crunching noise like it was eating your tickets and then you hit print and out came the slip that said how many tickets you had. Those pieces of paper now had value and because of the value, I was able to walk to the prize stand and get what I wanted. Redemption is a big part of our culture. We like to see things be redeemed. If you haven't watched HGTV lately, then you wouldn't know that all of the shows essentially are taking old homes, fixing them up, and making them beautiful. Or taking a home that maybe doesn't fit the needs of the family the way that they thought they would and fixing it up so that it does. We like to see old things be made new in a sense where they're beautiful and they have value again. We also enjoy seeing stories of people who may have been down and out and overlooked and forgotten and then all of a sudden something changes and, and they rise up and, and or the talent that they had the whole time that was overlooked is valued and understood again redemption we love redemption we love good stories and, and we're getting to the point in ruth now where we've kind of seen the the pain that, that Ruth and Naomi have had to walk through and how now God is beginning to redeem that. Taking the pain and the hurt and turning it into something beautiful. And so with that, we pick up in Ruth 3. Again, Ruth is a foreigner and a widow in a land that's not her home. And in one of the lowest classes of people at that time, but... Now we begin to see things change. So Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 to 2 say this. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I have found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. The time of harvest was over. And Ruth and Boaz had spent a time around each other a lot at this point in the fields. Uh, they all would kind of hang out throughout the day. And so Ruth and Boaz know each other well. As they've gone through the harvest season, again, they, they were together a good amount of time. 
But an interesting part about this, and it's one of the cool things about the Book of Ruth, there's so much advice in here. And, and one of the things is, is here there's a little dating advice for you. So for, the, for those of you who may be in that sphere, um, Ruth and Boaz, at a time where they got to know each other, what we call dating, were never off alone. They spent time together in the context of a group. And, and I think one of the things when it comes to dating is it, nowadays we just spend so much time in just couples where them spending time in a group was an important part of their dating journey. They got to see how they treated other people other than just each other. Because sooner or later, the way that people treat their friends, the way that they treat people in groups is how they're gonna treat you. We often mask who we really are in the beginning of relationships. And then maybe a couple years or months down the road, all of a sudden the person changes. And so hanging in a group context, let Boaz and Ruth see who they really were. Naomi knew that the time had come where Ruth needed to be cared for. Again, if you were a widow and a foreigner at that time like Ruth was, it put you on the lowest level uh, in terms of where you fit in society. Ruth had to wait for others to provide for her. And again, thankfully, she met Boaz, who, who was gracious and showed favor towards her. And Naomi suggests that it's time for her to ask Boaz for marriage. Now, some of you listening to that might think that's a little forward. That's a little inappropriate of Naomi to say to Ruth, go ask Boaz to marry you. But Naomi's suggestion is actually rooted in a, in a custom in ancient Israel uh, that, that was normal. And we don't understand it because we don't live in a culture like that. But uh, Boaz was actually Ruth's goel. And so the Hebrew word goel is really important here. And, and this word is often translated as kinsman redeemer and the kinsman redeemer had a very specific and defined role in the nation of israel the kinsman redeemer was responsible for a few things the first one was this the kinsman redeemer was responsible to buy a fellow israelite out of slavery we read this in leviticus 25 48 they were responsible to avenge the blood of someone who may have been murdered in their family member and, and we see that in Numbers 35, 19. They were responsible to buy back land that had been forfeited. We see that in Leviticus 25, 25. And we also know that the kinsman redeemer was to carry on the family name by marrying, by marrying a childless widow, Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10. And so that's the clause of kinsman redeemer that we see come to play here. Ruth was a childless widow who wanted to continue on the family name of Elimelech and, and her husband. The kinsman redeemer was responsible to protect the people, property, and future generations of the family. And so Boaz was a recognized kinsman redeemer for the family line of Elimelech, the deceased husband of Naomi and the father-in-law of Ruth. And so because this was true, Ruth could appeal to him to safeguard the future of Elimelech's family and to take her in marriage to redeem the family. And so now that we have an idea of that, we continue reading. It says, tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. 
Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. Naomi again instructs Ruth as to how to ask Boaz to exercise his responsibilities as her kinsman redeemer. And she instructs Ruth to make herself pretty, smell good, and, and to leave Boaz alone while he eats. Um, and now we get to the part where it says to uncover the feet. You may hear that and you may think maybe this is a provocative gesture or what does that actually mean? But one, this was a practical thing. By taking off Boaz's socks, his feet would get cold then while he was sleeping and he would wake up. So that was the practical. But then there was also more to this gesture that was understood in that day. See, this was an act of total submission. In that day, by taking off the socks, this was understood to be the role of a servant. And it, and it was to, to lay yourself at the master's feet and to be ready for any command that they may offer. And, and this is the fascinating thing about Ruth. See, she, claim, she came to claim a right. She came to, to get something that was hers, and yet she was humble. Again, she put herself in the spot of a servant. She had every right to expect Boaz to marry her. But again, she laid that right aside for the sake of being humble before Boaz. And the other fascinating part just about this section is this, is that Naomi wisely counseled Ruth to come again, not as someone to demand her rights, but someone who was humble. She was a humble servant, trusting the goodness of her kinsman redeemer. She said, Boaz, I trust you. I, I've known you over these past few months, and so I put my fate in your hands. Naomi and Ruth had the chance to get to know Boaz, and they could trust his character because of who he was. They knew what kind of man he was. He was a godly gracious, loving man. His character stood out. Again, this is a huge theme of the book of Ruth. The, the way that we live our lives, the character that we show, the things that we do should draw people to Christ. We continue reading in verses six to seven. It says, so she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. See, there's good reason why Boaz is at the threshing floor here. Again, these were the days of the judges when there was much political and social instability in Israel. And so now that Boaz had harvested all of his grain and, and had it in one spot, um, it was usual for, for gangs of thieves to come and to steal the harvest. And so Boaz is sleeping there to protect his grain, uh, and he's staying there to safeguard his crop. That's why he's sleeping in a room with his grain. Now, again, one of the interesting things about this is Ruth was obedient to everything that her mother-in-law, Naomi, recommended. She heard the advice, she said she would do it, and then she followed through. 
Uh, again, Naomi, throughout this whole book, is a great mentor to Ruth. That she gives wisdom, advice, knowledge. She does a good job of leading Ruth through all of the circumstances. But Ruth also listened to the people in front of her who had wisdom today. May we not only have people in our lives ahead of us who give us wisdom and advice and knowledge and stories of God's faithfulness, but would we listen and would we do it? Today, there are so many voices in our heads that that are telling us what to do, what not to do. Listen to the people who have wisdom and then actually do the advice that they say, follow through. We continue reading verses eight and nine. It says, around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me for you are my family redeemer. Boaz wakes up. He's startled. Again, he's thinking that if someone's there, it's most likely going to be someone trying to take his crop. Instead, he sees a woman. He had been there again to protect, and then he's startled to find who is actually there. Ruth identifies herself and then makes her request. I'm your servant. Would you be my family redeemer? Again, Ruth shows humility and submission. She starts by presenting herself to Boaz in a humble spot. Again, she had the right to just walk in and and demand but she stays humble. The phrase spread the corner of your covering over me was just a culturally relevant way at the time to say, I am a widow, take me as your wife. Ruth understood this and she identifies Boaz as a close close relative, as a kinsman redeemer, and she makes her request. Now we read Boaz's response. The Lord bless you, my daughter. Boaz exclaimed, you are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. Again, Boaz's response, and and it shows another thing about Boaz here. See, he had the right to force himself on Ruth as the kinsman redeemer. He also had a right to enforce and to marry Ruth, even if she didn't want to. He could have said, there's a woman I want, let's get married. But he was kind enough to not act as the kinsman redeemer towards Ruth unless she desired it. He did not force the marriage to happen unless Ruth was interested in it as well. And and as we know, Boaz, as the kinsman redeemer, is a foreshadow to Jesus and the redemption that he brings to our hearts and to our lives. We know today God doesn't force himself on us. It comes to our heart and our willingness to humbly submit and to say, God, I need you. And Ruth based her attraction to Boaz more on respect and his character than on image or appearance. Today, so many of us, we fall in love with people's appearance and image 
and maybe who, who they show they are on social media or, or just a front. Ruth and Boaz were attracted to each other on who they were, the deepest parts of them. Boaz even says, everyone knows that you are a virtuous woman. Again, both of them, they live lives of character. They live lives of godliness. And because of that, that, that people, other people around knew their reputation, but they also saw within each other something much deeper than, than the facade that we often fall for. They were drawn to something deeper. We continue reading in verse 12. It says this, but while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight and in the morning I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you, very well, let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie here until the morning. Now there's a plot twist. There's a potential problem to their plan. There was a, a closer kinsman redeemer to the, to the line of Elimelech than Boaz. And, and again, we see that just the character of Boaz he did not exercise his right as kinsman redeemer because there was someone more deserving, closer to the line of Elimelech. Boaz wasn't willing to cut corners. He would do God's will, God's way. See, he didn't force things, but instead he trusted. And as I read that and I, and I look at my own life, there have been so many periods of my life where I tried to force God's will to happen in my life, where, where I tried to make things happen instead of trusting. In college, uh, I heard a quote at one point, and, and it's been so important to my life. If, if we're praying about things and we're seeking God's will, if there's not a yes or there's not a no, then wait and build your character. And see, because it's moments like this where, where Boaz could have cut a corner, Ruth was there asking for him to redeem her and he could, they could have gotten married, but Boaz's character shows he does the right thing. Even though he had feelings for Ruth, even though he had a right to marry her, he still is a man of character. He still trusts God. He doesn't look to force things to get what he wants. We continue reading in verse 14. It says this, so Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning, but she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, no one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. Then Boaz said to her, bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to, to, to the town. Ruth goes home. Boaz didn't want the nearer kinsman to learn that Ruth was asking for him to marry her before he could go to him personally and explain. And now we see it's Ruth's turn for obedience. See, she's obedient and she goes home even though the conversation didn't go the way that she had hoped. See, here is a great guy that she's come to know and to care for, but she may get stuck marrying somebody that she doesn't know. 
she may end up not getting the guy that, that she has invested her life into over the past few months. And yet, she still goes home. She doesn't force Boaz's hand, and she's obedient as well. But again, we just see Boaz's love and grace. He doesn't send her home empty-handed. He sends her home with grain. Again, he's not only thinking of himself, he thinks of Ruth, and he also thinks for Naomi. He cares for two people who, again, were down and out in that day's culture. Something also really cool just about the six things of grain that he sends, uh, within Jewish tradition, it says that the six measures of, of grain given here were a sign of six God-fearing men to come who would descend from Ruth. David, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Jesus. And this is a foreshadow to these six men who would live for God down the line. I just thought that was really cool. But we close out the story in Ruth chapter 3 with this. It says, When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, What happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her, and she added, He gave me these six scoops of barley and said, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. Again, this is a time of considerable anxiety for Ruth. She had claimed her right to marriage and would be married. She just didn't know who it was going to be. Imagine that. Again, the question is, who is going to marry her? Would it be Boaz? Would it be the other kinsman redeemer? Come back next week when we read chapter 4 and you'll hear the end of the story. But for today, from this passage, what does it mean for us? I believe it's this. The sovereignty of God is clearly seen in the story of Ruth. God is at work and he is moving. God guides every step of the way for Ruth because he had a plan for her. Ruth was to become an ancestor of Jesus. And today, I believe this, the same way that God had a plan for Ruth, you watching today, God has a plan for you. And, and you may feel down and out, and you may feel overlooked and forgotten. Don't worry, that's where Ruth was when we picked up the story. But we see that because of God's hand at work in her life, the plan that he had for her was fulfilled. Today, God has a plan for you. You may not see it. You may not feel it. But just because we don't necessarily see it doesn't mean that God is not at work. Just as Naomi and Ruth trusted God to lead them today, we need to do the same. Today, have you made space for God to lead you and to guide you? Have you made space to, to trust God and where he leads you? Or have you just been trying to force all these different things in your life to happen? And can I tell you, when we make space for God to lead and to guide us, he does. How do I know that? Because for me, when I made space, it changed everything for me. If you don't know my story, my, my family had a construction business and, and, I, was, and I was set to, to continue in the family line and to work for that business. 
And, and I was at a retreat my senior year. I, I'd already enrolled in Rutgers to do engineering and landscape architecture. And, and the speaker at this retreat said, seniors in high school, have you made space to ask God what he might want for your life? And I was like, no, I probably should do that. And so I responded. And, and I asked God, where are you leading me? Where are you guiding me? And in that moment, I felt like God was directing me towards ministry and it changed everything. And just like, just like Ruth, I had a choice. I could have continued to force ahead with what I wanted. For Ruth, it was marriage. For me, it was my career. But I chose to step back to get wisdom from people around me who I trusted. And, and as I began to hear their wisdom, I knew that where God was leading and guiding me was right. And I needed to be obedient and to walk in that. And can I tell you today, I would not change where I'm at and my life for anything. Today, have you made space for God to lead you and guide you? But see, this isn't just on the big things either. It's on each day, the little things, those small moments of obedience matter. See, it's not always just the big picture of God, where are you leading me and taking me? It's also in the small moments of obedience that make a difference and matter. Ruth and Boaz both were obedient in the tiny details in the story. See, submitting myself to Jesus each day brings more of his redemption in my heart and in my life. Every day I have the ability to submit more and to humbly sit at the feet of Jesus or to fulfill my own desires. This week, what are you going to do? Today as you're watching and as we close, a major theme of the book of Ruth is that of the kinsman redeemer. Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi on her husband's side, acted upon his duty as outlined in the Levitical law to redeem an impoverished relative. But see, Boaz was foreshadowing to the ultimate kinsman redeemer of Jesus Christ, who sees us in our brokenness and our pain and our sin and our regret and our shame. And he saw that and he didn't leave us there. He left heaven, he gave up his right as God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. But it didn't end there. Three days later, he rose again, and because of his death and his resurrection today, we can have life. We can have forgiveness. We can have purpose because when we submit our lives to God and we say, I've sinned, I've fallen short, then he begins to work. And he begins to lead and guide us. Our heavenly father sent his son to the cross so that we might become children of God. He is our redeemer. Today, whatever platform you're watching on, there's a link that says, I've decided to follow Jesus. If that's you, click that link and let us know. We would love to help walk you through the decision that you've just made. And for those of us who do follow Jesus, just some questions to think about this week. Again, Ruth goes to the feet of her Redeemer and humbly submits this week. What are some of the areas of your life that you may need to sit before the feet of Jesus and submit Maybe it's obedience, 
maybe it's just trying to figure out what where to go with life and, and the different decisions that you have to make maybe it's the small things and just a small habit or pattern and routine that you know you need to lay before the feet of Jesus God has a plan have you asked him even on a day-to-day basis, do you wake up and say, God, direct me and guide me to what you have for me today? See, the posture that we hold our life with matters. We're, we're vessels that are meant to show the love and grace and favor of Jesus. Do we offer ourselves in obedience to God in that way each day? This week, how can you further submit to the plan that God has for you? What practical steps can you take to get there? It's in our submission that we see redemption. Today, let's close in prayer. Jesus, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are our redeemer, God, that your death and your resurrection brings life and forgiveness and purpose to our hearts. God, I just pray that over everyone watching today. Would they just sense that and know that? Would you lead us and would you guide us? In your name I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this encourages you to take your next steps in your faith journey with God. You can check us out more on connectchurchnj.com. Have a great day.